Welcome back to another episode of Too Much Pod Tar. Uh, I'm your host, Alex Keeler, as always. For this episode, I'll be joined by freaking guest Johnny Black and also Sam Schneider as he makes his second appearance. Uh, this episode, we're going to be discussing the season predictions for the National League. Uh, the AL, AL prediction show is up, which was about a week ago, went up, and it's available on all podcast platform, platforms. Uh, featured both my, my or all three of myself, Johnny, and Soupy. Yeah, so how's everyone doing today? Pretty good, man. Can't complain. One more really week from tomorrow. The baseball, actual baseball. Yeah, I'm excited. Yankees and after the first game, and that's gonna be Cole against Scherzer. So that's gonna be a good one. A really good one. I kind of like the uh, I kind of like the short spring training, man. The season just snuck right up, and boom, here it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if you guys want to just like you know plug your social medias, just to let everybody know where to find you on whatever Twitter and stuff. Yeah. Check us out at the Score Crow. Well, we'll be moving over to um, as we're merging with uh, Primetime Sports Talk over there but uh i can be found on twitter at jball0202 and i'm on facebook too and stuff and yeah that's about it follow us for a lot of baseball stuff this year and a couple uh, a couple fantasy leagues nfbc and um i just wanted to plug up to my boys over at the fantasy gospel um, check them out at the Fantasy Hospital on Twitter. They started up a couple uh, fantasy leagues. Um, we're actually drafting Saturday evening. Uh, they got three roto leagues going, uh, 15 team leagues. So I'm in that. I'm actually with uh, one of our boys, Joey, who was oh. supposed to be on tonight, but uh, he's in my league, actually, the Fantasy Gospel League. So <laughs> it should be pretty cool. So we'll be tweeting about that too. Awesome. That'll be fun to follow along with. Uh, yes, uh, you can reach me, obviously, as part of the Scorecrow uh, and Primetime Sports Talk as well. Um, my uh, individual account on Twitter is at buy and sell you, all one word, no underscores, no nothing. Uh, and uh, man, I, I'm, I'm just switching gears right now. I feel like I've been uh, I've been on football a lot for the last for the last few weeks, and then you know, just like I, I said a minute ago. All of a sudden, boom, it's time for baseball. And I'm scrambling around like, oh, here we go, here we go, it's time. Yeah. Can't believe it's already coming. Hopefully it sticks. We don't have to, you know, have another lockdown or whatever. So I guess we'll just jump right into it. We'll start out with uh, the MVP prediction for this, this one. I'll start off. My MVP is going to be Ronald Acuna Jr., of the Braves, you know, last year had a really good season. He's up at the top of the of the MVP favorites right now. I think he probably is the favorite at, this, at the moment. He's up there with obviously Bellinger as always and Yelich. The, the, both of those are both of those guys are always in there. So I think Acuna in a short season is going to be able to tear it up and go crazy. Now in the regular season, he would like in a normal 162 games. He would, I think he would gonna he was going to end up getting 40-40. But, you know, this year, I mean, yeah, this year with the 60 games, so obviously not going to get close to that, but he's still going to be in the up at the top of the leaderboard of probably a lot of categories. So definitely going to be exciting to watch. And that Braves team is pretty stacked right now. 
with the, you know they just got Puig yesterday. So well, two to get two days ago when when this comes out. So yeah, there's gonna be interesting to see if they can actually not choke in the playoffs, get get deeper into the playoffs this time around. So yeah, uh, for me it's um, it's I'll, I'll go with. Uh, one of the guys you mentioned, I'm going to go with Christian Yelich. Uh, on a short season like this, uh, I look at Christian as a guy that, that uh, rarely has had trouble getting out of the gate quickly. Um, and you know, when he goes on a hot streak, he goes on a really hot streak. Um, so I, I think if he, uh, if he starts popping off, you know, from the beginning, like I said, right out of the gate, um, I think he's just going to maintain that position for the rest of the season. And, you know, frankly, in a 60-game season, obviously, I don't know this could be a, a real award without an asterisk next to it, but um, if he does that kind of thing, then he's got a possibility of looking at a, a sniffing the triple crown in a short season. Yeah, I wouldn't argue that with Yelich. I mean, triple crown is definitely a possibility. Didn't He was pretty close to it two years ago. Yeah. He wasn't far off. I think he was like third in ribbies, third in home runs, and first in average or something like that. Like he was pretty close in all three, so it wouldn't surprise me. I'm going to go with um, my pick is Bryce Harper. I think he, I think last year, new team, big contract. You know, he doesn't seem like the type of guy that lets that bother him too much, but it's got to get in your head. I mean, these guys are human beings. It's getting in your head a little bit, and people forget. I mean, you know, a lot of people like, oh, Harper's not worth the money, blah, blah, blah. People forget he had an 882 OPS last year with 35 home runs and 15 stolen bases and 114 ribbies. I mean, it's not like the guy is crap. The guy is still, I mean, he's, he's four years removed from an MVP. So I think settling in a little bit after his first year in, you know, with his new contract and everything like that with his teammates and stuff like that. I think he's really going to settle in this year, and I think he's going to come out of the gates real hot. And we know Harper's got the talent. I mean, the kid's only 26 years old still. You know, he's got the talent to put together a 60-game stretch. So he could hit 20, 25 home runs. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Harper. I think he puts it together this year, and I think, I think he's got that, that kind of like monkey off his back that first year with the new contract, blah, 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 blah. And I think he puts it together, comes out strong. Oh, yeah, I can't argue that one either. That's a that was one of my candidates for a, probably up there in the top five at least for me. So he's yeah, like you said, it'll probably I think he'll definitely bounce back this year in his second year now in Philly. Just uh, we'll get to this a little bit later for comeback play of the year, but like the same thing I think of with uh, Machado out in San Diego because he's in his second year of the contract now, so he'll I think he'll perform better as well. So. A lot of guys, a lot of guys do that. I mean, it's just a new city, it's a new atmosphere, new teammates. I mean, you know, especially if you've been with a team for a few years. Like Harper was drafted first overall by the Nationals. He came up through the national system, like he was there and everything. And then he signs with the Philly. You know, I mean, look at what I called a couple of years ago when Carlos Santana who came up with the Indians and everything like that. Like he, you know, that's the only team he knew he went to Philly and didn't do well. As soon as he went back to Cleveland, he had 
like a career year last year. I mean, you know, it's, it's familiarity. It's like, you know, like I said, you got to realize the guy's a human. You right. know, when they spend, well, granted, this year is a 60-game season, but they spend seven, eight months out of the year with the same guys. Like, you know, a feeling of comfort, a feeling of familiarity with the guys you're playing with and stuff like that. When when work is fun, granted, we'd all love to be able to play baseball as a job. But I'm just saying, when you have to go to work, when it's fun, you don't mind going. It, it's that little bit extra men- mentally that that I think adds to it. And I think, like I said about Harper, I think he's over that now. He's made friends there last year. He was kind of new. He was the big name guy. I think he settles. He, I think he just settles in. Same thing. Like you said about Machado. I think he settles in this year. Yeah. And just cause you've got, you know, tens of thousands of fans, uh, you know, freaking out that they got you as Philly did when, I mean, they gave him a hero's welcome when he came in. Um, that doesn't automatically mean that all of a sudden you're in some sort of comfort zone and uh, and that you're really settled in. So I agree with what you said. Now that he's had a little more time to acclimate himself to some of his teammates for a season. And um, I mean, even little things off the field, you know, you now you know your way a little bit more around the city. Now you're more comfortable in your own skin. Uh, you don't feel so put upon like, wow, they're expecting me to be the second coming when I show up. Um, you need a little bit of that, uh, uh, a little bit of that to, to relax you in order to do the best you can. I don't know if you guys had any dark horse candidates that you thought of, but uh, I think one of mine was, was uh, going to be Tatis. Speaking of San Diego, Fernando Tatis Jr. He was mm-hmm. last year at the end of the year. Uh, he got hurt, of course, and then didn't end up finishing the year. And I think he would have been, he would have given. Uh, Pete Alonso put a bit of run for his money. I think Alonso still would have won Rookie of the Year, but I think he would have it would have been a closer match, uh, closer closer voting if uh, if he was able to finish the year because he was on a tear there. And I think this year he's going to even get break out even more in 60 games, be able to do his thing there for staying healthy. So yeah, he's one of my dark horse picks for the MVP. Yeah, he was inhuman for a long time there. And um, if I'm not mistaken, I, I don't think he didn't even start on the opening day roster. I mean, they didn't wait long before they brought him up. Um, I think, correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, they didn't wait long before they brought him up. But, you know, Alonzo started from the beginning and still at, at one point, like you, Alex, I, I was looking at it like, man, I think if Tatis keeps up this, this pace, then he's probably going to be the guy. Yeah. Um, for me, it's uh, for me. Uh, I suppose it's a dark horse. I mean, if you're talking about the MVP, then it's pretty hard to call somebody a dark dark horse at all. So, um, I think it's got to be Juan Soto from Washington. Um, the guy is is still just absolutely killing the ball in all parts of the zone, and he's still on an upward trajectory and and has the ability to make even the best pitchers. Um, look really bad out there sometimes and um and he's fun to watch too so he's one of those guys you'd love to see love to see win it just because he's such an exciting player and fun loving and whatnot but you know you look at his stats and and he can certainly do it i think there's definitely one in his future i don't know if it's this year over 60 games but i could definitely put him down as my dark horse 
Yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, my dark horse guy is gonna be. You like like you said, Sam. Like it's hard to kind of say a dark horse because you can't pick someone really that's totally out of it. But I think my dark horse might be Trey Turner, of Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he steals bags. He's got some pop. You know, he's banged up a little bit here and there. But I think I think with Rendon gone, I think maybe he might. You know, Harper's gone was gone last year. Rendon's gone this year. I think maybe he might feel like he's the guy to take over this team and kind of be that leader with Soto and Robles and stuff like that as far as the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, I agree with you with Tatis, especially playing the shortstop position. Mm-hmm. You always get more a little, a little of a bump playing a more demanding position, a more important position than first base. So I think, I think Trey Turner would be my dark horse. I think if he can come out of the gate, especially the way he runs, if he could show a little power and hit and hit a, a solid like 300, 320, I think he could do it. Yeah, I could definitely see that too. Let's move on to Cy Young now. So, I don't know, Sam, you want to start off with this one? Yeah, sure. Um, when I was looking at the, the or considering the Cy Young stuff, I was really thinking about uh, in a short season like this, in divisions and who some of your opponents are. And obviously, when you're playing a bunch of in-division games, I'm not saying that it's it's easy to beat, you know, your division rivals and uh, and whoever's in your matched-up division on the other side. But uh, I'm going to roll with Walker Bueller on this one. Um, you know, the guy, uh, the guy last year had 16 quality starts. Uh, out of 20, um, still almost had an ERA sub two. Uh, he can strike out pretty much anybody. He's got, you know, the occasional start where he just blows up, but I guess, you know, which pitcher doesn't have the occasional one and, uh, and he's still young. And I think, uh, and I think that's going to play into it a little bit too. He's going to have a lot of stamina, uh, coming into this little sprint that we're about to do. And I don't think he's going to have any problem rolling out there every time his number's called. Um, you know, you take that into consideration, the fact that he'll probably get to beat up on the likes of the Giants, uh, maybe the Rockies a couple times. Um, and, uh, and, and I think, uh, and the Dodgers just have so much offense behind their pitchers that he doesn't even have to match a 213 ERA again to be winning games regardless. So, uh, I look for Bueller to win the Cy Young and, uh, you know, unlike DeGrom, who's, who's won it a couple years in a row uh, without having a very impressive record because they can't put up, you know, uh, can't put runs up on the board behind him. Um, I think uh, I think Bueller wins the Cy Young, and I also think he has the most wins in the National League. Yeah, that's actually the same one I had for the Cy Young. And, you know, I agree with everything you said. Yeah, just that with all the offense he has behind him, he'll be able to just do his thing and pitch his game. Um, I saw yesterday he's not fully ramped up yet to, like, where he's going to be able to pitch on in the first round, I mean, the first turnaround in the rotation, but I think once he does get, like, ramped up, he's able to pitch the whole game. He'll, he's definitely going to just put on put on the gas, turn the gas, gas on and just rev it up and 
go for six, for whatever amount of starts he has for the 60 games. But, yeah, definitely see him being there and winning that Cy Young for Dodgers. Yeah, and if he, if he, if he does have, you know, more close games than I'm expecting him to, then it's going to fall squarely on the bullpen to keep those leads for him. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to make Sam happy here as a Reds fan because I'm going to go with Luis Castillo. All right. My, uh, my Cy Young. I think he's just – he's improved each of the last two years. Um, last year, 3.4 ERA. But he averaged almost six innings a start last year. 32 starts. I think he had 191 innings or something like that. Um, he's just – he's coming into his own now at this point. He's really – He's he's become the ace of the staff. I know they have Sonny Gray and I know they have Trevor Bauer, but Castillo's the man there. Mm-hmm. And we t- we talk about run support. The Reds the Reds got power to spare in that lineup, especially with Castellanos there for this whole season. Mustakas there playing second, even through Didi at short. You still have Eugenio Suarez. You know Vado's not the power hitter he once was, but the dude still could put up a 400 on base percentage. I mean, who knows what Aquino will be with the DH, Winker. You know, you got a bunch of guys that are going to put the ball out of the park easily. Probably up and down the lineup, probably the most power in the NL, maybe aside from the Dodgers. But talk about run support. I think Castillo could definitely win seven, eight games in 12 starts. Mm-hmm. And I think th- I think that'll be enough. If he can keep his ERA under three, and strike out, you know, ten to eleven per nine. He's got a, he's definitely got a shot. He's yeah. a knee buckler for sure. He's definitely a knee buckler. It's it's fun to watch. Oh, his, his stuff is unbelievable. His stuff yeah. is great. Oh yeah. He's just got the, it's got to have the control. That's all. He can't walk everybody and get into trouble, because when he does, then he his starts are limited because he throws. Those all these pitches and blah, blah, blah. It's like a lot of young guys. But I think he started correcting that last year. And I think he's just going to take another step forward this year. And I think in a shortened season, I think he can string together the 10-12 starts that are really dominant. He's got the dominant stuff. If he can string together those starts and avoid... See, this is going to be the thing like we talked about what you said, Sam, before with Bueller. Once in a while, he gets blown up. It's going to be the starter that avoids that one blow-up because that one blow-up, when you're only starting 12 games, that one blow-up is going to kill you. Truth. You know, it's it's almost like a reliever. You know, a reliever pitches one inning at a time or one and a third or one and two-thirds or whatever it may be. They come in the one game, and all of a sudden they give up five runs in a third of an inning. That kills the ARA for a month. Yeah. You know, a starter in a shortened season, a starter can't do that. So it's going to be the starter that's consistently good, that has a great run of 10 to 12 starts, that doesn't have that one game where they throw two innings and give up eight runs, because that's just going to destroy your season, as far as Cy Young, you know, awards go. So I, I just think I just think Castillo is going to be more consistent this year. I think his control has improved, and like I said, he's got the stuff. I think he can string together the 12 starts that he could just be dominant. Yeah. Let's go into uh, dark horse picks for the Cy Young. Uh, my my dark horse is going to be Max Fried from 
the Braves. You know, last year he kind of had an up-and-down season for his first full year, but he still had a pretty productive season. Uh, it was a 4.02 ERA, and th- he got a 3 war, but his ex-fip was also 3.32, so that shows that he can definitely, definitely have, if he has uh, some better defense there, he'll, def- he'll put up a better ERA as well. So, I'd, uh, And his strikeout rate was also 9.4 per 9, so... Definitely strikes a lot of guys out. I think we'll take, take another step forward this year and be one of the main guys for the Braves rotation. You know, probably one or two in that in that rotation. He's also still pretty young. He's only 26, so he's got a lot to lot to still work on. But he'll he's definitely. I think he'll definitely take a step forward this year. Yeah, I get. Um... Uh, my dark horse is uh, is 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 Jack Flaherty from St. Louis, um, and a lot of things need to happen, obviously, for that to happen. I mean, that's a that's a pretty big, that's a pretty long shot. But you know, Flaherty uh, it keeps the ERA down. I know he only went eleven and eight last year, um, but you know, he had a two seventy five ERA. He has the ability to run an ERA down even closer to. Uh, you know, the 2.0 line. And um, I'm not a big fan because, frankly, I don't like the Cardinals very much. But um, but he's he's pretty interesting to watch because for a guy his age, he um, he's, he's extremely deft at um, mixing up his pitches. Um, you know, he's some of his some of his pitches, you know, his secondary ones aren't exactly. Um, the most fine-tuned yet, and they'll probably get there, you know, as the years go on, um, or you know, when something just clicks. Um, but he mixes it up, and you know, you can have watched baseball for a long time, and he's one of those pitchers where, when you think you know what's coming on three-one, he'll completely fool you and throw throw something that you would have never expected. Um, and I think that's something like that is kind of missing in the game, and has been for a couple years is, you know, it's the age old, well, this is always the kind of pitch that's going to come on this kind of count. And Flaherty doesn't seem to do that nearly as often. So I've got him as a, as a, as a deep long shot. Yeah, I'm going to roll with um, my long shot's going to be Robbie Ray. Mm. I like Robbie Ray. He's got the strikeouts down pat. I mean, the guy blows people away. Uh, he's great with that. Of course, his, you know, his propensity to give up the long ball and also walks is his problem. But with Ray, I think if he can keep those down a little bit in a shortened season, don't forget, too, this is his free agent year. So his contract's up after this year. Mm-hmm. So he's got something to play for. You know, and I think with the Ks and everything like that, I think if he if he can limit those home runs in Arizona and even Colorado and shut down the Dodgers here and there and keep the ball over the plate, I think I think he can I think he's a dark horse because because he can get the strikeouts. Yeah. He could he could pitch twelve games, throw seventy innings, and have a hundred Ks. I mean, how many guys this year do you think are gonna have a hundred Ks? Think about it. Twelve starts. That's yeah. a, that's a lot. That's a lot. So he's definitely one that could do that. 
And if I think everything falls right, he keeps his ERA down. And like I said, the walks and the home runs. He can strike out 100 and lead the league. Yeah. I, I could see it. So I'd say he's my dark horse. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you said that because we'll get to this in a little while, but uh, the he's actually my breakout pitcher for me. So. Sorry to steal your thunder there. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> kind of goes hand in hand. Uh, let's see, rookie of the year. Let's move into. Um, I don't know if Johnny, you want to start off with this one? Yeah, I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with Gavin Lux in in LA. Um, he's still rookie eligible. I just think he's the kid's got so much talent there, and he's got a great lineup around him, and you know he's got such a good team and everything like that. I think. He just fits. He fits in perfectly with the way the Dodgers have been doing things the past few years, bringing up guys like Bellinger, Max Muncy, stuff like that. And I think Lux, and of course the Dodgers always had luck, you know, with uh, rookies, the rookies of the year. You know, they, they sure had five in, a, five in a row back in the nineties. You know, and I, I think Lux is going to be the next one. Yeah, I think I, I, he's 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 got the talent, no doubt. And like I said, like just coming up through the organization, having the guys there that have done this, younger guys like Bellinger and Muncy that have been there a few years, and even the older guys like Justin Turner and stuff like that, they can work with him and everything. I think he he's poised for superstardom, and I think this he, he'll put it together this year. Yeah, can't argue with that one. Uh, I'm actually going to go a little different uh, with Carter. Mine's going to be Carter Keyboom from the Nationals. Uh, now he's got, you know, he's got a spot there now. With is he going to be able to play third now that Rendon's gone? He last year he wasn't even able to get on the field because of that. So he's he spent most of the year in AAA. Um, but over that time he hit 303 with 16 home runs and 79 RBIs in over 109 games. So I think now with the actual spot on the on the Nationals, he'll be able to get up there and start hitting very well. And you know, in the middle of a lineup with guys like. With Soto and Robles, I think he'll be able to do a lot of good things for them. Uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna echo Johnny's sentiment here. I, I've got Gavin Lux as well. Um, you know, for all the same reasons, and I'll I'll tack on the fact that, you know, probably, um, you know, they're likely to bat him pretty far down in the order. And uh, they would have done that even prior to having a universal DH. And now that they do, there's no concern about, well, if we bat him eighth, then he's going to have the pitcher behind him. Um, so, you know, he's just going to get a whole bunch of junk. Yeah. And, uh, and now there's more of an opportunity where somebody might be protecting him a little bit on the backside. Nevertheless, the fact that, you know, also – in that lineup, there's going to be guys on base. And, uh, you know, as Johnny said about um, uh, about the guys in the clubhouse and the guys that are able to to help bring them along, you know, when you we, – we know the Dodgers are a good team and we know they're going to win plenty of games. Or at least we think we are going to do. Who knows how crazy – who knows how crazy this season is about to be. <laughs> um, but, um, but, you know – 
when you're when you're winning and you got a young team like that and everybody's having fun as a young player it's way way easier to relax and go up there and just you know remember all the stuff you usually do rather than putting too much pressure on yourself so i'm on board that train as well yeah definitely he's definitely the favorite for for the national league so i do like the kaboom pick though i always like that kid and i think he he got He's kind of like a post-type guy because he came up a little bit last year and didn't do too well. Yeah. And I think people got off him a little bit, and they forget how talented this kid is. You know what I mean? With the Nationals winning it last year and everything like that, I think I think people kind of forgot about him, almost like Robles. Oh, yeah. I mean, because Robles was the up-and-coming star. I mean, he was banged up a little bit, and Soto came up, and Soto became this huge... I'm not taking anything away from Juan Soto. The kid's great. But... I'm just saying it kind of took away from Robles. Robles was actually the higher-rated prospect. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Carter Kaboom, kind of the same thing. Like He was a high-rated prospect, then he came up and didn't do so well. And then, of course, with Rendon there and everything, and you know he didn't really have any place to play. But I like that pick, too. Because I yeah. think Kaboom Kaboom's one of those post-hype guys that like you know everyone's starting to forget about. But I think he could definitely break out this year. Plus, what a great baseball name. Come on. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, oh, his, his brother plays catcher too. Was well, Spencer Kaboom right? I think his name is Spencer. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, he's a brother. He's a brother that's a catcher. I think it's Spencer, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's a great. That is a great name. <laughs> I mean, the the headlines write it write they write themselves <laughs> at that point. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it is Spencer. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's in a Nationals organization yeah. too, right? He is. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Oh, actually, he's not anymore. He's right now as a free agent. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, okay. He, he was with the Nationals, though. Yeah, that would be. Would have been interesting to see if they were get playing time to get like be on the same team, but. Well, I'll go ahead and uh, and start the uh, uh, the rookie dark horses. If you guys got one, send it back to you. Um, uh, for mine, I'm going with uh, uh, for my team. Uh, I'm going with Shogo Akiyama, um, uh, who just came over from Japan to join the Reds organization. Uh, I know this is a day and age when you know it's um, it's all about monster home runs and hitting the ball out of the park and everything. But, you know, Akiyama's a, a, made five straight all-star games in Japan, and I know it's a different game, but made five straight all-star games in Japan. Um, hasn't hit less than, I think, 315, uh, including, uh, I think, two years ago, he hit, like, 339. Um, and uh, and he's one of those guys that, that isn't going to hit probably more than 20 home runs, and even that might be, and not this year, I mean in a full season. Um, and even that might be might be generous, although we got that short porch in right field. Uh, but he's really, really adept at finding the gaps in the outfield, and um, particularly on a short season like this, if they get him in that lineup every day, I could see him leading the league in doubles. So who you guys got? Well, 
I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with a kid. I actually had to double check because I know he came up last year, but he is still rookie eligible. I'm gonna go with Mauricio Dubon from uh, San Fran. <laughs> I think he's gonna be there. Um, probably start out at second because I believe they still have Brandon Crawford and they still have Evan Longoria at short and third. Um, but they don't no longer have Joe Panic. He's gone now. Actually, I believe he's on the Nationals, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I'm going to go with Dubon. They're going to, they brought the kid up last year, played pretty well, but the kid's hitting talent. I, I really like his talent. I like the way he plays the game. He's an excellent fielder. He should be playing probably shortstop. And I think he will move over back to shortstop once Crawford's contract is done. I think it's after this year or next year, but Crawford's Crawford's an excellent fielding shortstop. So he should stay there, but he's 32, 33 years old. Longoria is you know getting older too and Dubon will move over to the left side of the infield eventually but for this year he plays second which is going to be an easy position for him because he's used to playing shortstop he's going to be an excellent fielder at second and I like the hitting talent there and I think in a full season granted it's San Francisco tough pitchers park and blah 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 but I, I think he can I think he's going to turn some heads this year I like that pick, and and you're right about uh, about the position, um, because I, even though it's a sprint, there there are some teams that have no uh, ideas about thinking that they're going to win the championship this year, and I think San Francisco is one of those teams, um, and I think they're going to take every chance they can to be evaluating talent. So um, I agree with you that Dubon will start out in second, but his his versatility and his ability to play multiple positions going to keep him in the lineup every day uh, so that he keeps getting looks and that he's ready going into 2021. Yeah, San Fran's one of those teams that, one of the few teams actually in the National League that really, even with a short season, probably don't have a shot. Yeah, it's just, it's <laughs> you know? just not, it's not happening. It, it's just not a good team. I mean, now with Posey out and everything, I mean, it, it's just not there. Yeah. Um, well, my pick is actually going to be I'm going to go with Mackenzie Gore from the Padres, uh, the pitcher that's there. Uh, you now they got them some question marks with their rotation. You know, Lucchese is kind of still, you know, not not fully. Uh, he hasn't proven anything yet, really. He's you know he's hasn't been able to consistently pitch past the fifth inning, and he's got a. Seven nine four ERA in the sixth inning during his brief brief stints in the majors so far. So I th- I think Gore may if, even if with, even without injury he may end up getting in there at some point early on in the year. And you never know what happens with uh, COVID. If any of the player or any of the Padres pitchers get that get it end up getting it, he'll, he can definitely slide in and and pitch for them. He has he's yet to pitch above Double A, but he was very, very dominant last year. Uh, twenty. He pitched twenty. Had twenty starts and had a combined one six nine ERA between uh, high A and double A. So, yeah, I could definitely see him making some kind of impact at this point. At some point during the year for the Padres, and maybe even getting them into that into the playoffs as one of the wild cards. Yeah, I like him a lot. 
Yeah, Gore is, I mean, Gore is, he's just good. Yeah. He's just really good. He's probably, probably the best rookie prospect pitcher that okay. I'll probably see, that'll see action this year. I mean, as far as, you know, any of the young guys, we talk about like Nate Pearson, Mackenzie yeah. Gore, like guys like that. Like he's definitely up there with like with Jesus Lazardo, like all those guys. Gore might be the best out of all of them. Yeah. It's just a matter of if he sees enough time as far as his, you know, workload is not as much of a question now because it's a 60-game season. But depending on playing time as far as saving that extra year, they might keep him down for a week or so and stuff like that. But, I mean, if he comes up and dominates like like he has a chance to, yeah, yeah I like that pick. Definitely. Especially with a shortened season when you look at a team like the Padres. Mm-hmm. You know, Tatis healthy, Machado bouncing back. I mean, if they if they can win some games in the beginning of the year, I mean, there's no doubt that Gore could be up. Yeah. And between Gore and Paddock, Strom, you know, Garrett Riches comes back healthy. Like, I mean, they they definitely could make the playoffs this year. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't surprise. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I really like uh, Richards as like a kind of a breakout this year too. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I always like Garrett Richards. Always had great stuff. It's just you know, it's like a lot of guys just could yeah. never stay healthy. And if you're going to come up, you know, if you're going to be a young kid and come up and cut your teeth, you know, playing in San Diego is a pretty good place to be. Oh yeah. As far as it being a pitcher's park and 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 being pretty kind to the guy in the mound. To come back play of the year. I'll start off, like I mentioned earlier, with Manny Machado, just like we were talking about with Bryce Harper, you know, going into his second year uh, in San Diego, he'll be able to, you know, be used to it, be used to the new city and everything. So I think he's going to put up a huge year this year. And like we just, like we just said, like help the Padres get back to the playoffs, maybe, potentially. So I think well, obviously his defense is always really solid. He's one of the best defensive third basemen in the league, or not? Yeah, like. And then I'll, I also want to mention too that I guess another a second comeback for the year candidate would be, as uh, Johnny said before, with uh, Didi Gregorius. I think last year he kind of struggled coming up, coming back from Tommy John surgery. Uh, and he's, you know, he's still a solid player. He was good for the Yankees when he was healthy, and just I think he kind of needed to more time to come back from the from the Tommy John surgery. But I think this year he'll be able to, in the middle of the lineup that the Phillies have with, you know, of course Bryce Harper. I think he'll be able to do some solid things there and get back to what he was before Tommy John. I think. Um... For me, this was uh, this was a hard one because it's it's tough to to be tabbed as comeback player of the year in a game in in a season that's only sixty games long. Yeah. Um, because you don't really know if you just you know caught a really hot streak or if genuinely it's something that you would have carried over one hundred and sixty two games. Um, I really wanted to be a homer here and say Joey Votto. <laughs> um, and I, I think that's possible. But I'm going to cheat a little bit and, uh, and, and say 
that uh, two of the closers that just got absolutely destroyed last year in uh, Kimbrell and Edwin Diaz, um, I think both come back in a big way. And it doesn't necessarily mean that I think they're going to save a million games and, you know, that their teams are, you know, going to be division winners. Obviously, we'll get to that eventually. Um, but you got two guys that just didn't look anything like themselves last year and obviously still have the stuff. You know, they didn't just, you know, completely, you know, completely lose miles per hour off their fastball or completely lose any cut out of their, some of their breaking pitches. But, you know, Diaz, for instance, I think had like a, a 559 ERA last year um, after he was like an all-world closer the year before. Um, and Kimbrell was another one who just, I mean, every time he got, went out there, he got smacked around. Um, but I like, uh, I like looking at the pitchers for this award because, like I said, with the hitter, I'm not sure if it's actually being done for 162 games um, or if maybe they just catch a hot streak and they win it that way. Um, but considering that I think the most important thing to this season is going to be bullpen depth, um, I think you can throw the idea that your closer only comes in in a safe situation out the window uh, for 2020, uh, which is just going to afford guys like those two more opportunities to get on the field one way or the other, whether they're losing, you know, losing by four or up by two in the eighth or ninth inning. Um, so I think they're going to get the volume so that uh, if they actually do get back to where they were before, it's going to raise some eyebrows. I like it. I like that. I, I, I would agree with that, definitely. I mean, it's not my picks, but I would agree with Kimbrell and Diaz. Diaz was – the thing with Diaz last year, he he, he just got hit. He just got yeah, the hit. Ball, the balls were flying out of the park. But he's, he's like you said, like his velo didn't go down at all or anything like that. Like he was just getting batted around. Like, I mean, you know, and that's the thing with what I said before, like with the, the one start or whatever, that you can get blown up. I mean, if you're if you're a closer, yeah. you come in and close a game and you pitch, you get one out and you give up four runs. That blows your ERA for the next for, month. For now, if that ha- now, if that happens four or five times during the year, you just, <laughs> you wind up with a four or five ERA or whatever. I mean, you know, I think Diaz definitely, and I think Kimbrell too, but um, I'm going to go personally, I'm going to go with a hitter and I'm going to go with Andrew McCutcheon. Nice. Um, tore his ACL last year, you know, after 59 games and in those 59 games, he had an 834 OPS, hit 10 home runs, stole two bases. He was playing solid outfield. Now he's in left field instead of center, where he should be. But I think this year he's going to come back healthy. He's going to have a really good year. Granted, like you said, it's only 60 games and he played 59 last year. But just coming back from the injury at his age, too, I think he's pushing 34. I think he's going to come back, make a major contribution at the top of that lineup for the Phillies. And I think I think coming back from the injury, especially, I think he's going to win that award. I like that pick a lot, uh, especially because the the potential that's in that that Phillies lineup now. And not only that, how can't you root for Kutch? I oh, mean, yeah. the dude's great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you got to be like, yeah, you got to love Kutch. 
Yeah, I always liked him. He's got the personality that, like, he's one of those guys that, you know, <clears throat> we talk about Major League Baseball, like, marketing their players. He's definitely one of those guys that you should be marketing. Oh, yeah. I mean, they should have been for the past, you know, 12 years. <clears throat> you know, He's one of those guys that always looks like he's having a great time out there. Yeah. Exactly. Was, exactly. It was so weird, the one, like, the half half season that he was with the Yankees when he had to shave. It was like, what the heck? It didn't even look like the same guy. It was like. I don't even remember that. Yeah, it was like 2018 it was. Yeah, Yeah, and he was good with the Yankees, too, when he played there. He's always been a great player, man. He's always been such a a good player, such a great ambassador for the game. You know, and like you said, like, you see these guys and they, they have fun. This is what it should be about. They should be touting these guys that just have fun playing baseball. You know what I mean? Like Joey Votto, like his antics with like tossing the fake tossing the ball to the fans and stuff like that. Like, I mean, these are the guys they should be marketing that stuff, you know, and Kutch is one of those personalities. That's just like, ah, it's golden. It's golden. (laughs) All right, let's move on to the breakout hitter. I'll go with this first. Mine's going to be Austin Riley from the Braves. You know, last year he had, in his first 14 career games, he had seven home runs, which is tied for the third most ever in that span. And his, he he was he t- really turned it on in his first 35 games, uh, slashing 288, 340, 604, 12 home runs, 39 RBIs, and and then but then he kind of struggled afterwards. Get uh, in his last 45, he only hit 163, 218, and 333. Um, he also missed time at the end of the year because of a torn ligament in his knee, in his right knee. So I think this year, now, you know, with the, with the Braves, what they have in that lineup now, I think they're they're gonna really, he's gonna really be able to turn it on more and go back to the player he was in those first, you know, 35 games and be a major piece to their their uh, team. He may end up, he'll probably end up playing a lot at DH because of, you know, the that the, the way their team is made up right now. So I think he'll, he'll probably be there a lot and also with maybe split time at DH with Ozuna because Ozuna obviously is not the best uh, defensive outfielder. So I think it'll mostly be him and Ozuna and Riley for the DH, at the DH spot. I like yeah, that pick I- too. Oh, sorry. No, Go that's ahead, okay. Sam. Go ahead. All right. I like that pick, too, because I I kind of feel like the same thing what you said, Sam, actually, before with Gavin Lux coming into, like, the Dodgers, that you can kind of relax as a young player. You don't have to carry the team. You're not, like, a superstar, you know, coming up and, like, you have to be the, the guy there or anything. I think Riley this year, especially with the addition of Puig and the – you know, the addition of Ozuna and stuff like that. Don't know how much time Riley's going to get. I, I would expect he starts at third base. I, I like Johan Camargo, but I think Camargo's more like a Marlon Gonzalez type. I, I think he's kind of like a utility guy, like super utility. You know, Brock Holt type guy. You know, and Riley's their future. And... I like that pick, and I think Riley's in the same type of situation, like you were saying before, with Gavin Lux, where he's a young guy coming up, 
they have Ozuna, they have Puig, they have Freddie Freeman, they have Albies who's been there for a few years, Swanson who's been there for a few years. Like they have guys there. He doesn't have to be the man. Yeah. Like he's not the big power guy that has to come up and like try to blast home runs every time he's up. He can kind of relax, play third, bat sixth or seventh. You know what I mean? Like it. So I get yeah. the mentality, and I like that pick. The guy I'm picking is uh, Ahmed Rosario from the Mets. Mm-hmm. He's another guy. The way I look at him, like he's improved also. And a lot of times what I look at, too, is you got to give guys a chance to come up. Either some of these guys come up, they do damage, and then they fall off sophomore slump, whatever. Some of these guys are more linear as far as their improvement goes. And I think Rosario has been a little more linear. He doesn't have the greatest plate discipline, but it's getting a little better. And he's got the power-speed combo. He's got the athleticism. And, I mean, 15 home runs, 19 stolen bases last year in a full season. And I think he can, I think in the, you know, in that lineup, if he can get to the top of that lineup especially, you know, I know they batted him second sometimes last year. They batted him down at the bottom. They kind of mixed him around. You know, all depends on health with Nimmo and Conforto and all these guys. But if he can get kind of in the middle of that lineup, I really think he's got the talent. He's got the power. Like I said, he's got the power speed combo. He's got the athleticism. I think he's more comfortable at shortstop now. He wasn't a great defender when he came up, but he's made himself better. And what I look at, too, he's got almost 1,500 plate appearances in the major leagues. And I think that's where you see you start to see improvement. Kind of the same thing with pitching. What I was saying about Luis Castillo, I noticed he has about 1,800 batters faced. So I kind of look at that when I'm looking at like up-and-coming players and who might break out or who might start hitting their prime. I look at 1,500 to 2,000, either batters faced by pitchers or plate appearances by hitters. and that's why I said Castillo for Cy Young, and that's why I said I'm saying I'm at Rosario because they're kind of in the same place that way. They're both showing kind of linear improvement, and I really think I, I think Rosario he's got the talent. There's no doubt he's got the athleticism. So I I, I would pick him for my breakout this year. I like that pick, and um, and I also think it's notable that you mentioned that he's getting more comfortable in the field. And I think a lot of people miss that that's actually part of uh, uh, the maturation process, uh, even at the plate for players. Because if you're constantly thinking about what you're doing in the field or you booted a ball or you think you could have got one, then all of a sudden you're stuck on that. And next thing you know, you're trying too hard when you step up to the plate. Um, So I think his comfort level in the field is probably going to help him out a lot. Um, for me personally, I've got. Uh, I'm going to stay on the on the same team as Alex here, and uh, and and say Dansby Swanson for the Braves. Um, last year he played about I don't know three quarters of the season. Uh, OPS only around 750. Hit 17 dongs, 65 ribbies. Um, translate that to the full season, and, and obviously his numbers are a little more impressive. Uh, the biggest concern is strikeouts with him. He strikes out a lot. Um, but when the guy makes contact, he makes really hard contact. And, uh, and he's, he's 
I think I saw something like he's in the 92nd percentile uh, of players as far as uh, most of his contact being either line drives or fly balls. And as we all know in this day and age, um, fly balls it means you got a chance to get over the wall. Uh, and that's what people are looking for. So, you know, I, I'm excited to see what he can do. And and actually, um, Johnny, you, when you responded to Alex's pick, you did a lot of the talking for me because I was going to bring up, again, all the guys in that lineup in Atlanta uh, where you don't feel like you have to do it. Um, you can ease back a little bit, not have to try so hard, you know, when you've got all those other big hitters on the team. Um, you know, you can relax a little bit and uh, and take your time. And, and you know, as long as he can cut down on those strikeouts, then, um, then I think he could get some really good power numbers uh, uh, out of a 60-game season. Yeah, I like that pick, too. That's, I can definitely see that. Yeah, because when Swanson, too, when Swanson was back on Arizona, I mean, he was the first pick overall. You know, and he was expected to be kind of the man there. You know, and then the, then when they traded him for Shelby Miller, <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> you know, they traded him for Shelby. They traded him and Ender Inciarte yeah. for Shelby Miller. But um, when he went to Atlanta, too, <clears throat> you know, they were – when he got to Atlanta, there was no Ozzy Albies. There was no Ronald Acuna. So, I mean, he, like you said before, like, you know, keep pressing this point is like pushing yourself to be, look, I was a number one pick. I got to be the man I'm taking over from Andrelton Simmons. I'm taking, you know, like all this stuff, you know, granted Andrelton Simmons isn't God or anything, but I mean, he's probably the best shortstop defensive wise, you know, yeah. probably wound up being the best ever. But, I mean, now that what, what you're saying is, like, Swanson doesn't have to be that guy anymore. He doesn't have like, to press. You know, so you're right. So he's finally coming into his own. And his, his progression also has been linear. He's gotten better and better every year. And I think he's more and more comfortable. That's stripped into the pitcher, the breakout pitcher. And like I said before, mine is Robbie Ray. As you know, Johnny kind of said everything about him before when he was talking about uh, Dark Horse Cy Young. You know, if he gets his home run, he doesn't allow as many home runs. I think we'll be able to get a little better. Obviously, as Johnny said, you know, it strikes out a lot of guys. He can definitely be in the top of the leaderboard for strikeouts this season. And I think in a short season, he'll be able to turn it on and just and go and be uh, one, of the, one of the best breakouts for this season. Yeah, I like Ray a lot. And, uh, you know, like, like Johnny said earlier, he can certainly strike out plenty of guys too. Um, and he could end up having a really nice caper nine by, by the end of a 60-game season. Um, for me, I've got uh, – uh, I'm going back, Alex, to your – um, uh, to your dark horse for, uh, I guess it was Rookie of the Year, and I'm going with Mackenzie Gore from the Padres. Um, 
And uh, like we discussed, we're not sure, you know, if he's going to get the starts that he would need, um, you know, need to, you know, potentially get a rookie of the year. Um, but I think he'll get enough that, that I can qualify him here for breakout pitcher. Um, I think he's going to, I think he's going to be on the team pretty quick if he's not right when they come out. Um, just because of the roster size and because pitching depth is so important. I don't, I don't necessarily know if he's going to, you know, if he'll start immediately. Uh, they might put him in a long relief role and stretch him out. Um, but, you know, given the whole, you know, 60 games in 66 days, there's bound to be something to happen to a pitcher on just about every team, whether it's just general fatigue or injuries. So, um, I think it's going to depend on Gore's ability then to uh, possibly step into a role uh, when someone is hurt or, uh, you know, whether they go on the DL or they just need to miss a couple starts and then to keep himself there by pitching well. I mean, the guy had, had uh, uh, in the minors, had 135 strikeouts in 100 innings. Uh, that's not too shabby. Uh, even though he was, I think, didn't you say, Alex, it was low A and double A? Yeah, it was, yeah, low. I think actually high A was high A and then double A. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and so, you know, obviously not not major league talent by any stretch of the imagination, but it clearly, clearly has, uh, has some stuff going on. So if he can work his way into the rotation reasonably early in the 60 games, um, and and pitch well enough that they can't justify getting him out of there, um, then then I I think he's I think he's absolutely a breakout pitcher candidate. I'm gonna go back to um, I'm gonna go back to the Phillies and I'm gonna go with Spencer Howard. Um, hasn't made his major league debut yet, but they're talking about this kid. They were talking about him coming up anyway as the fourth or fifth starter for the team. Um, and I think that he's going to be there. He may face the same kind of same kind of situation as a lot of these young guys, that they may hold him off a week, like Gore or Pearson or guys like that, you know, just to get that extra year of service time. But the kid throws 99, 100 miles an hour, He's got an excellent changeup, a solid curveball. He knows how to pitch. Um, I and I really think the Phillies, the Phillies are going to be a good team. We talk about run support and everything, and if all my project, predictions are correct, as far as Harper winning the MVP and McCutcheon doing the <laughs> comeback player of the year, I think they'll have plenty of run support. Yeah. You don't forget Real Muto's on a contract year. You know they still have Hoskins, guys like that, Didi. A short, you know, stuff, and I think if Howard Howard gets in there for the ten starts or whatever it may be, I, I think he could definitely be the breakout guy this year, possibly rookie of the year. I mean, because I I think this kid's really got great stuff. Yeah. You know, probably not as good as Gore, but like we said, <laughs> you know, a, a ten start sample size is you'll know, we'll see what happens. But I would say Spencer Howard is is my man this year. Yeah, I actually had him. I I actually had him jotted down as a possibility for for my rookie of the year too. And um, <clears throat> the only thing that scared me off 
and, um, and at the same time, this could be a good thing. Um, if he has a good season um, in this shortened season and he's pitching against the NL East and the AL East and comes out of it above average, then it's that's a rousing success. Because uh, he's going to be facing an awful lot of bats in those two divisions, so I, I think that's yeah. a great pick. Like I said, he was on he was on my rookie of the year shortlist. Yeah, he's going to be facing some tough competition, no doubt. You know, because the East on both sides, that's going to be yeah, that's going to be rough. But um, they believe in him, and I mean, I, honestly, after after Noah and Wheeler. You know, the Phillies, Arietta was on his last legs. You know, I mean, they. I think Howard's going to be there. And I think Howard, I think he's got the stuff to be able to put together a, a solid short season at this point. He's got a good pitching staff to learn from, too. I mean, there's, right. an, awful lot, there's an awful lot of knowledge there in Philadelphia for him to pick up from. Yeah, oh, especially, definitely. Now with, yeah. especially now with Joe Girardi as the manager, he's a... He really, he works with pitchers really well. So yeah, I think Brian Price is their uh, pitching coach. While uh, while someone that um someone that Sam knows well from his uh, managing days at Cincinnati. I'd rather I'd rather forget. <laughs> yeah, well he, he's not the he may not be the best manager, but he's a pretty good pitching coach. Yeah, some guys just you know, some guys just need a certain job. <laughs> I agree with that. We see it all the time in football too. I mean, some guys who are great—they're great defensive coaches or coordinators or great offensive coordinators—but they stink as a head coach. Right. I mean, you know, guys like North Turner, guys yeah. like uh, you know, my old, the old head coach from uh, Jim Hazlitt. Mm. I think he's a damn good defensive coordinator, but he was a horrible head coach. <laughs> with the Saints, I mean, yeah. you know, guys, we see the same, and the same thing with baseball. Some guys know pitching, some guys know hitting. Sometimes you're just not a good manager of players. Yeah. Bill, Bill Callahan's another good one for the NFL. Yeah, there you go. And then there's Bill O'Brien, who shouldn't be a GM. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, yeah, Belichick's tree too. I mean, Charlie Weiss, Josh McDaniel, you know, guys like that, like, you know, probably Cornell. shouldn't have been head coaches, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, Romeo Cornell, yeah. defensive coordinator. They're all, they're all fine, really, but, really good at what they do, but then yeah. uh, as far as head coaches, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And like I said, the same thing could be said for baseball. Some guys are great hitting coaches. Some guys are great pitching coaches. I mean, look at look what the Mets went through last year. Mm-hmm. You know, they brought over Mickey Calloway, who was the pitching coach for the Indians. Kluber and Clevenger and Bauer and Bieber and all these guys. And it's like, all right, we're bringing him Mickey Calloway. He's going to work magic and everything like that. And where is he now? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so you just never know. You just mm-hmm. never know. Let's shift to the playoff uh, predictions. Um. I'll start off with, I'm going to go with the Braves to win the East. And then the Central, I'm going to make Sam happy. I'm going to say the Reds win the, the Central. 
And then the Dodgers, of course, winning the West, they're probably going to maybe not maybe not run, really run away with it. I think the Diamondbacks can make it close there, but they're they're win by a pretty pretty fair margin. And then uh, I have for the wild cards, I have the Phillies and D-backs. So then I'll also talk about my surprise and disappointment. Of course, the surprise is the Reds uh, winning the Central as they, of course, didn't make the playoffs last year. And then the Nationals defending championships I have, I have missing the playoffs. So it's going to be tough for that that East, NL East division. It's going to, you know, it's going to be anybody can win it. There's any four, any of the top four teams. You know, Marlins probably don't have any shot, but. Even in a sixty-game season, you never know. Maybe they do. Maybe they have. A, they definitely have a better shot than they would in a in a normal season. So. Yeah, I uh, i i don't have uh, I don't have a whole lot to add to that because I also have my Reds winning the Central. Uh, I've got the Braves in the East, uh, and the Dodgers. I do have running away with it <laughs> out west. Um, and my two wild cards, also the Phillies, and I'm going to take the San Diego Padres. And uh, so go ahead and obviously say the San Diego Padres are my surprise team. Um, I think, you know, if you talk about Tatis and Machado uh, both doing what they're able, that alone... Uh, gives them a leg up on a couple other a couple other teams, and um, pitching in that ballpark um, makes even the most average pitchers look pretty good. And uh, and I I can't even tell you exactly why, but I don't buy Arizona as much as everybody else is this year. Um, I don't know. It's a gut feeling. I just, I, I don't, it, it doesn't feel sexy to me when I look up and down their lineup. And um, uh, the staff, the pitching staff is good. Um, but I just don't get, I don't, I don't get excited about it. And uh, and I want to have a little bit of fun with it as well. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I'm pretty much, pretty much uniform with you uh, and the Padres in there. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little different than you guys. I'm gonna go with uh, Phillies winning the East. I'm gonna go with the Cubs winning the Central. Uh, I'll stick with the Dodgers in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as wild cards go, I'm gonna go the Reds and the Diamondbacks. I like the Diamondbacks starting pitching. Yeah, <clears throat> I I know Mad Bumman's. I know Mad Bum is kind of, you know, going to a hitter's park and stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. But I still like Ray. I still like Galen. I still like the, I still like the guys there. And um, I think they have, they, they have a solid team. Um, so my surprise, you know, surprise is probably going to be the Cardinals missing the playoffs or the Nationals. You can pick one or the other. But I just don't see the Cardinals being that great. And the Nationals, I think, I like the Nationals, but <clears throat> I think they're just gonna they're just gonna miss out. Um, 
as far as the surprise goes, I think it's probably the Phillies. Yeah, I think the Phillies. I think the Phillies are going to have the second best record in the NL after the Dodgers. You know, and as far as the Cubs go, I think they can. I think they can win the division. I think Ian Happ's going to have a good year. I think Schwarber is going to really come on. Brian will be healthy. Rizzo, and I think that in a shortened season, especially an older John Lester. Yeah. And someone like Kyle Hendricks, if Darvish can do what he did in the second half of last year, as opposed to the first, they got a real solid top three. So that's why I like the Cubs in the Central. Yeah. But yeah, just like I said with the East, the you know the Central has four teams that can win it like easily. Besides, yeah, Pirates is the only team that. Can- don't have really much of a chance, uh, much of a shot. Yeah, well, surprise too. I guess the disappointment would be I don't have the Braves making the playoffs. Oh yeah, because I think the wild cards are going to be the Reds and the Diamondbacks. I just don't. The Braves, I love, <clears throat> I love what the Braves did signing Puig. I think it's a great fit, and everything like that. I just, I don't trust their starting rotation. And I know you talked about Max Freed before, and I like Freed. I like Soroka. You know, even Fultonavich, if he can make a bag. You know, even Newcomb, if he's the fifth starter, or he can be in the bullpen or maybe piggyback on somebody. Some of the guys coming up, Ian Anderson, Kyle Wright. I mean, Cole Hamels, you know, they signed him to be a veteran president, and he's got a tricep injury now. He might not start. I just don't know. With their starting pitching, as good as their lineup may be, I, I just don't know about their starting pitching, especially compared to the rest of that division. And especially when you're talking about them facing the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, like lineups like that in the AL East. I just don't, I just don't see the Braves making it. I just don't. Yeah, I can't really argue that because, I mean, like I said, any of those teams can win it. So it's pretty kind of – it's a lot easier for teams to miss the playoffs in those divisions. It's just in a, in this in the season that's designed like this. It's going to come down to we don't really know. I you know my philosophy, which I think is the same thing that a lot of people have, is um, the more pitchers that you have that can go deep, and the more um, relief experience and guys that can pitch three days, four days in a row, um, the better shot you have of, of, of having success in the season. But it's it's not a given yet. And for all we know, this just might turn out to be a complete mash fest for two months. Um, and, uh, and I think that's the only reason I penciled in the Braves, because if the guys that you mentioned in their rotation, if they – you know, if three of them are only average and two of them do well, you know, with a lineup with, you know, uh, Ozuna, Acuna, Albies, Freeman, Puig, Swanson, um, I mean, they're going to hit. They're going to hit a lot. So I think if it does turn out to be kind of a mash fest and it turns out that the hitting is overpowering the pitching, it's hard to look past them. But we don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't argue that. 
totally either. I mean, like we said, like with the shortened season, none of us really know. But I just think that, especially when you have when you have a couple aces, and I just don't see the Braves bullpen as being really that deep. I mean, I know they have Melanson and stuff, but I I don't know. I just don't see them comparing because good pitching will still beat good hitting. And when you're facing Scherzer, Nola, DeGrom, and you're putting up Soraka and Freed, I just don't know. Right. And then, then you got to go to the American League East and you're facing Cole, Paxton, Tanaka. Like, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just don't see it. But, I mean, like we said, <laughs> you know, who knows in the 60-game season? Yeah, Anyone just, can get hot. It's just so hard to, to know what's – I mean, you're absolutely right. Pitching is always – good pitching is always going to be good hitting. Um, but it's just uh, – it's so hard to tell right now exactly how this is going to play out. You know what I mean? Or if or if the pitchers, no matter how good they are, are going to get fatigued a lot more quickly than they have in the past. You know, even though you got some that are saying they want to pitch every fourth day and their managers are like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes here, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not only that, too, you got to remember something. And this is going to be interesting to see, too. See, in the beginning of the year, usually, it's cold in a lot of places. I mean, you go to Minnesota, you go to Detroit, you get, like, it's cold in March and April. Yeah. Now we're starting the season, it's hot out already. So do the players that play well in hot weather... Like, you know, there are always some hitters or some pitchers that don't do well in the very beginning of the year because it's colder out. Now, is it because it was colder out or is it because it takes them a couple starts or it takes them a week or two to get going? We're going to see that, too, because this is a completely different thing. We're starting the season in hot weather. So you're going, I mean, you know, the Texas Rangers are their home opener. It's 95 degrees. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Where uh, on a no- in a normal season, maybe they were in Boston <laughs> in 40-degree weather. Like, who knows then? You know, we don't yeah, know yet. It's interesting because you're going to start the season, um, you know, just a little after the time that we say every year, well, around now is when the ball starts really jumping off the bat. Right. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, too, like what I said about the Cubs, like you take someone like John Lester, who's 36, 37 years old. I think a lot of the veteran pitchers are going to have a lot more success in the beginning of the season. I agree. Because they know them. They know their own arm. They know what they need to do. They're in this routine. They know what works for them. They've known it for 14 years. You know what I mean? Or whatever. Just using Lester as an example. Yeah, just someone who's been consistently good. Granky, you could use Granky as an example too. Like, like a veteran pitcher, Verlander, stuff like that. You know, these younger guys who've only been in the major leagues for a couple of years, without the spring training, you know, they've been used to spring training, say the past two three years. Now it's not there anymore. Now it's been a completely different thing. They started and then they stopped for a few months, and then it's starting up again. How is that going to affect their routine? Because we all know pitchers are very, especially starters, very routine. They're five-day routine. They pitch bullpens in between. They do this. They do that. They eat certain things. They do, Very superstitious that way, kind of, you know. So 
I'm interested to see. We talked about the human element before about switching teams and stuff like that, getting big contracts, blah, blah, blah. Machado, Harper. I, I wonder how this kind of routine is going to affect certain players. That's why I feel like the veterans who have been on the same team for a few years, you guys who have been in the league for, say, five, six, seven years, even more, I think are going to have an easier time with this whole thing. And I think they're not going to wear out toward the end of the year because it's only a 60-game season. Whereas if they started in April, by August, when it gets hot out, they've already pitched 25 games. They've already had 450 plate appearances. They've already, you know what I mean? So these guys aren't going to wear out either. So guys like, you know, like I said, Granke, Lester, Verlander, even hitters like, I don't know, Ryan Braun, like guys like that, Jay Bruce, like, you know, older players who have been around for a while, I think they're going to succeed more this year than some of these younger guys. That's why I think, like, as far as if you want to touch on even fantasy baseball, I think some of these older guys definitely might want to take a look at and bump them up your boards a little bit. Because I think it's a good... The shortened season is going to have a bigger effect than we think on these older players. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. That's definitely a solid point to make. Yeah, it's like... Like you said, like during a, regu- a normal season, the play like these kind of older players start breaking down at the end of the season. But now this year, it's you know it's not a marathon; it's a sprint. So they're going to be able to just play as they normally would and do it for the whole whole time, whole sixty games. Well, let's just make let's just hope we make it sixty games. Yeah. <laughs> not to be the yeah. devil downer in the so. room. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> yeah, let's hope we make it through. I mean, you know, uh, and not only that, too, let's see who else opts out. We still got another week to go, and we don't know who's going to get it and who's going to opt out. You know, I mean, there was talk about Trout, talk about Zach Wheeler, Garrett Cole. Like, there have been rumors about, like, some of these high profile guys like opting out and stuff like that so we don't know yeah i think there are still guys right now that are you know we're a week out and uh there are still guys right now that are <clears throat> thinking that in the next couple of days or you know maybe by this weekend they need to have a little sit down with the wife and kids and figure out if they if they should do this or not yeah without a doubt I mean, I can imagine, like, these guys that got families and everything and sitting down, you know, like you said, sitting down and be like, all right, Sunday night dinner or whatever. <laughs> be like, all right, it's the last chance. So I want to give my team enough, no- you know, at least a few days notice if this is going to be, you know, you know, kind of like you do at weddings. If anyone has oh, yeah. anything to say, right. <laughs> speak this is now it. or forever, hold your peace. You know what I mean? Like, the yeah, ultimate I mean, kind of thing. Never mind the fact. <laughs> never mind the fact that when you're playing at home, um, you, you're still going back to to your home. So this this it still affects your family as well because. You need to tell them, well, listen, you can't be going out and doing this and then being around me because if I show up and I got something because, you know, 
uh, because little Johnny went to a birthday party yesterday uh, with, a, with a, a, a bunch of adults and had the virus and didn't know it. And next thing you know, I got my half my team sick in the in the one hour it took to get the results back. Right. Yeah. Well, you it's saw that whole thing with. Yeah, you saw the whole thing with Carlos Correa telling his girlfriend or his yeah, wife yeah, to like, not go to the. <clears throat> yeah. It well, was the hairdresser, wasn't it? Was it? Isn't that what it was? Or yeah, was it, yeah. Don't go to the salon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can't believe they. Actually, I can't believe they actually had that as like a big, big article. Like. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a slow news summer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Well, yeah, yeah, like I don't know. the whole players opting out. Like, if I feel like I think the Braves wouldn't end even ended up with Puig if it wasn't for Marquez opting out. That was pretty much the reason they ended up going after him in the first place because they needed an extra yeah. an extra guy there. Yeah, and there'll probably be some some more of that, and and there might also be some you know minor league guys that you did not you did not expect to to all of a sudden pop up on the active roster um, that that might, and they, and it might be some guys you were excited to see, and it might be some guys you're like, who is this guy? I got to like, look down gotta, the whole... go combing through my notes to find out where he just came from. Yeah, yeah really. Yeah, it's going to be some 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 21-year-old out of like a JUCO in like North, New Mexico yeah. <laughs> that like all of a sudden comes up and like tear, tears it up. Hey, does anybody know anybody know who that uh, bullpen catcher that just came up for the Reds is, or, or that uh, that catcher that just came up for the Reds? Yeah, he's the bullpen catcher in Double A. <laughs> we, uh, we didn't have yeah. anybody else that was ready. Oh man, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. We're gonna see. We're gonna see. But we've seen that in the past couple of years. Some guy, and then that's the thing. This year, you might see it being more prevalent. But we've seen that in the past couple of years. You know, with certain guys that just come up and like all of a sudden they tear it up. Yeah, they break. I mean, speaking of Puig, mm-hmm. who saw that coming? You remember when he came up? Didn't he hit like three ninety? For the first month he was up. Oh, <laughs> he, he was made a monster. Yeah, he was crazy. You know, I remember uh, what's his name from? Um, I think he was on the Cardinals at the time. Hazel Baker. Remember Jeremy Hazel Baker. <laughs> <laughs> Outfielder dude came up and like tore the cover off the ball for like a month or two. Yeah, he's yeah. back out of baseball again. But I mean, like you know, you never know some of these guys. Even back in the day, Alex, you might remember this guy. Remember Shane Spencer? Yeah, yeah. What did he hit? Like he came up in September, hit like twelve home runs in the month of September. Like where the hell did this guy come from? You know what I mean? Like it, there's always like that guy that is like he's been a career minor leaguer. He's twenty seven. <laughs> you know, he comes up and just like dominates for a month. Yeah, he's 27 and he was drafted out of high school. Yeah, drafted okay. out of high school. Or he was then, drafted 48 the minors for nine years. <laughs> yeah, like, who is this guy? <laughs> it's like that. Uh, who's the guy for the the D backs? It's a, he's just like stashing the minors because of freaking, and he has a big contract. What the hell is this? Oh, Tomas. Oh, yeah, Yosmani. Yeah, Yosmani. Yosmani, Yosmani yeah. Tomas. Yeah. I think this is the last year of his contract, actually. <laughs> yeah, this would be the year he actually comes up. Plays. Hey, DH. Yeah. Right? That's, I mean, that was the whole point with him. 
Like, he could hit, <clears throat> but he was just an d- absolute disaster in the field, no matter where and they he, put him. And he could hit the ball a country mile, too. Yeah, kills the ball. I mean, look at, look at uh, where's Rusne Castillo? Remember him from the Red Sox? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where is he? What could have happened to him? I know the Sox are still paying him. <laughs> I think this year is his last year, too. But same thing. It's like they sign these guys, and the hell? What uh, happens to them? I think we're going to see plenty of that this year. It's going to be fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting, all right. Imagine if, like, Jason Dominguez makes his debut for the Yankees. Because, <laughs> like, every, like, literally every outfielder gets hurt. They're like, oh, shit, we got we to gotta put up the 17-year-old kid. Well, it wouldn't surprise me with the Yankees because your outfielders are always hurt. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because the oldest, guy, the oldest guy in your roster is Brett Gardner, and he's the only one that stays healthy. Oh, yeah. He's he like one guy who didn't get hurt last year at all. <laughs> I mean, you get Hicks, Judge, and Stanton. They none of them can stay healthy. And oh. it, Brett Gardner is like ninety-eight years old, and he's, still, <laughs> he's the he only one that's dragging around his oxygen tank behind him, <laughs> still banging on the banging oh, on the dugout, on the dugout. <laughs> dugout ceiling. <laughs> like he's oh. an angry old man. <laughs> oh yes, I know. But yeah, Jason. Well, on the flip side, Jason Dominguez is what sixteen. <laughs> yeah, 17, I think he's 17 now. Three months ago. So. Kid looks like he's 25 already. Yeah. I mean, he's supposed to be the next Mickey Mantle. I mean, yeah. Well, they've, you know how many people they've said that about? We'll yeah. see. <laughs> I, I just hate, I hate how they hype him up so much. Like, I, if he, even if he turns off, turns up to, I mean, turns out to be like decent, like, Having him like comp to Mickey Mantle is just ridiculous. Yeah, that's just insane. You don't. I'm sorry, but you don't comp people to. I see. They they've been showing a lot of videos of Jared Klinik from uh, Seattle. You know the guy the Mets traded yeah. for Edwin Diaz. He's showing him and stuff, and the kid's great. I think the kid's going to be a stud, no doubt. But people are comparing him to Griffey. They're comparing him to Trout already and stuff like that. It's like, dude, calm down. Yeah. Let's calm down a minute. <laughs> you know. Jesus. Let's yeah. let the guy make the majors first. Like, you know, <laughs> come on now. I've heard it so many times over the years. I'm sure you have too, Sam. Like over the past 30, 40 years, like all every guy. I remember I remember Cesar Cedeno mm-hmm. for the Houston Astros mm-hmm. coming up. And they were comparing him to Mantle. Yeah, and you know what? The, the worst part about that isn't just that it's it's ridiculous, but it's horrible for the kid too. Right. You exactly. Know? And and even the kid knows that it's it's unrealistic. I can't believe they just compared me to Mickey Mantle, but but he knows that that means that somebody thinks you're supposed to be really fucking good. Yeah, yeah. It's silly. Yeah. It's silly. You know, and it, it, but of course, people will do that. People will do that in every sport. You know, right. compare with the next quarterback. Oh, this is the next Joe Montana. And, you know, in 20 years, we're going to be talking about, oh, this is the next Peyton Manning, the next Tom Brady, the next Drew Brees. Like, the, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, just stop already. <laughs> yeah. You know, <clears throat> I get it. 
I get the talents there. I understand that, but let's not, like you said, Sam, let's not put that on a kid. Right. It's unfair. Because it goes back to what we were saying before with Lux and guys like that. Like, they get to come up to the majors and relax. Is anyone comparing Lux to, you know, I don't know, (laughs) whoever? Like, I mean, you know, relax a little bit. Let let the guy play. That was like, you know, that was like with the, there was like Astros fans that had like a video of, uh, what the hell was, oh, Forrest Whitley. He was like, who does this remind you of? Oh, I saw that. People were saying, he he looks like Cole. It's like, Jesus, he didn't even pitch in the the majors yet. Like, slow down. (laughs) You know what was funny? I was going to comment too, and I didn't, I saw that, I saw that thing on Twitter about Forrest Whitley. And you know who he reminded me immediately? It wasn't Garrett Cole. It was Clay yeah. Buckholtz. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> what I thought of too, yeah. He kind of reminded me of Clay Buckholtz. Yeah. Garrett Cole, I think, is a little... Garrett Cole's a little stockier. Yeah. Whitley, Whitley's like a string bean. Kind of like Buckholtz. Buckholtz is like 6'5", 180. Like the guy's like, you know... Yeah. He's skinny as hell. But yeah, same thing. It's like stop it already. Just because the guy has the same hair and kind of looks like him, I mean, well, what's that? Player comps in all sports is like my least favorite thing in the world. I mean, I think the kid's gonna be a stud, but I don't. He's not gonna be a Garrett Cole. And that's the thing too. Every like, even doing, you know, Alex, even going through the draft profiles and everything. I mean, we talked up all these guys who were supposed to be. Top fifteen, top twenty players. I mean, they all look great. They all look like they're going to be the next Mickey Mantle, the next Mike Trout, the next whatever. Of course, they do now. But how many of them will actually be that? Mickey Mantle only comes around once a generation. So does Trout. So does you know, out of the top twenty guys that were drafted this year, half of them make the major leagues. Maybe 15 of them make the major leagues at all. And maybe one of them is really good. (laughs) I mean, and the rest of them just have decent careers and or whatever. Like, you know, happens every year. Happens every year. You know, it happens every year in football, too. You see the first round. Oh, he televised the first round. And his first pick, second pick, third pick, all these guys... And how many got? How many times do we look three years? You look three years later, and it's like, well, this guy was a bust. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> happens all the time. Happens all the time. You have all the talent in the world, but you need to maintain that. You need to be able to translate that to the next level. This is yeah. It's like with uh, Florial for the Yankees. He was like so hyped up, and now he's like, I think it looks like he's turned into kind of a bust at this point. I never like Florio. I yeah. am on record as saying that. <clears throat> I do not. I never liked Florio. I don't like his swing. He's got. He's got athletic talent, but other than that, he's a left-handed Byron Buxton. Yeah. That strikes out more. Uh, he just. I, to me, he was never going to be anything. I could be wrong. I mean, maybe he's a late bloomer, or whatever. But I see. I see Floreal, if he makes the major leagues, maybe he's a Chris Gomez. 
has a couple good years, can steal some bases, play a good center field. Yeah. But he's never going to be a really good hitter. No. I just don't see him as being anything special. But, yeah, you're right. They touted him, like, past two years. He was, like, prize prospect. Yeah, he was their number one prospect. Now he's down to, like, not even the top ten, I don't think. Yeah. I, he's, he's never going to be anything. I really, I don't know. That's why I wish they would have like just traded him like when he was so hyped up. They should have just traded him. Yeah. I mean, maybe they still could trade him and get something, but not as much as they would have. At this point, he'd be a package. Yeah. See, Probably. two years ago, he could have been like a centerpiece. Yeah. You know, and that's the problem. A lot of these organizations hold on to their prospects. They they value their prospects way more than they should be. <clears throat> yeah, that's like with well another one with the Yankees is Chance Adams. He was he yeah. was he was such a big prospect too, and then he gets to the Yankees and he just like whatever I don't know. I don't even know where he went. Yeah. I think I think they traded him to the Royals now, or not not traded them. I think he was he was DFA'd and then he was he went to the Royals. Yeah. Yeah, every team team does it, and, you know, I think valuing your prospects too much. I mean, I I get you have your bully chip guys, but some of these guys, you have to be more realistic, and I think they they look at some of these top prospects, like a Floreal or even the the twins, same thing with Nick Gordon. Yeah. I don't know what they ever saw in him, but he was, like, fifth in the – organization like two years ago and he's never going to be anything if he makes the major leagues he's a utility guy you know the same thing could have traded him a couple of years ago for for a lot more now it's like well not going anywhere he's blocked yeah but we have polanco at short who we just signed to a five-year deal arias who just came up last year so we have him locked up under control for the next five years. Where's Gordon playing? Gordon's not going anywhere. I don't know. Again, he'll be a package. He'll be thrown in a package that someone needs, like a utility guy. That's it. You know, and that's what happens to these guys. He'll go there. He'll play sparingly in the major leagues, and that's about it. Crazy, if you you ever get a chance, if you go back on, like, the drafts, just go back to, like, five, six years ago, and see some of these names that were drafted in the first round, the major league draft. Mm-hmm. It's like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> just never. That's it. It's like, wow, someone actually saw something in this guy and drafted him like fifth overall. Yeah. And you're like, who the hell is this guy? Because he never made the majors. That's the weird thing about they're not even too. in the minors anymore either. They just bailed out. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was like the. I think it was what the 2014 draft. Or the it was the Astros that was had the top pick, and it was uh, I forget his name, but he's not even in the in their system anymore. He's like just out of baseball. He was the number one overall pick. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Mark Apple. Oh yeah, that was who it was. Yeah. Yep, Mark Apple. Yeah, he he was in. He was with Houston, and he. He actually got traded to the Phillies. Yeah. With uh with Velasquez. 
Vince Velasquez. Oh, yeah. Got traded to the Phillies with Vince Velasquez. Um, I forget who, who the hell did they trade for. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but but yeah, he just never turned out to be anything. Let's see, um, oh, it's for Ken Giles. Oh yeah, that's right. Giles, that's right. I forgot he was on Philly yeah. back then. That's right. Okay. Yeah, there's another guy, Vince Velasquez. Kid was supposed to be like, you know, great arm, blah blah blah. Dude's got to be in the bullpen. Okay, he's not a starter. Yeah, traded. It was also Brett. Uh, Brett Oberholzer was in the trade. Oberholzer, yeah, lefty. Yeah, he's a star. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I remember that. Well, you can't really forget the name, but <laughs> pretty unique name. But yeah, he was just a lefty starter. Tried to make it as a reliever. He just wasn't good. Yeah. You got guys like if you look at the Seattle Mariners, they made some bad picks, man. I mean, I remember looking back. I think two years in a row they had the second second or third pick in a row. They had drafted Dustin Ackley and Danny Holton. And this was only like five, six years ago. Hmm. Remember Dustin Ackley? He was on the Yankees actually. Oh yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Kid was like the second pick overall. Yeah. Supposed to be like this stud. <laughs> like, <laughs> the Danny Holton, left handed pitcher. Just nothing. Like, just, I don't know. Sometimes these guys just, you know, they have an injury or they're not doing well in the minors. And a lot of these guys just quit. They're like, look, I tried it for a few years. I'm still 24 years old. Or I'm 22 years old. I just got to, you know, I was drafted out of high school. I've been playing the minor leagues for three, four years. If I'm not making the majors, then what the hell am I doing? I'm kind of tired so of they, being on a bus. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So they wound up going back to college or something or whatever. And they're like, screw this. I'm done. Selling used cars. Yeah. <laughs> That's for the retired guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. Selling new cars. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's it. Good that's, times. That's all National League predictions. And then, I get, well, the season's a week away. So, we'll, once we get to the season, we'll be t- have more, some more stuff to talk about. So, once it gets rolling, we'll, we'll see what we can come up with for ep- new episodes. Try to do one, try to do weekly once the season gets underway. So, you know, next week, sometime during the week after their opening series, we can do another one. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter as I I meant forgot to mention this at the beginning. You find me on Twitter at Alex Keeler. And then they they mentioned theirs at the beginning. And of course, uh, we'll, soon we'll be moving over to the primetime sports talk. So, yeah, I think you said by next week, Johnny, right, for that? Yeah, 
should be by this weekend. By this weekend, yeah. Yeah. So hopefully by Monday, we're going to be start writing and putting the podcast up on their site and everything, you know, get everything together. Yeah, so that should be, that should, that'll be fun. That'll move over to that site and have a bu- bunch of other writers to be, you know, working with. So, yeah, we're going to keep growing and get keep going with our with this podcast and a bunch of articles once the season's underway we'll be doing doing some uh recaps maybe weekly recaps for this for the season like for i mean for each division so yeah so it should be interesting so yeah just a reminder you can never have too much pod tar <laughs> <laughs>